Let's lift our voices and magnify His holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's lift up our voices in thanksgiving unto God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. And uh, we thank God for each and every one of you that are, are here tonight. Didn't we have a wonderful time over the weekend in our New Year's Eve services? How many enjoyed New Year's Eve weekend 2017 and 18? Amen. And uh, we are just grateful. I tell you what, I, uh, I am, am ready to see the vision and to begin to rejoice in the Lord over the vision and to praise God for the vision. And uh, we're going to begin tonight teaching uh, a series that we're going to carry through the Wednesday nights of January, and we're going to be talking about good habits, strong disciplines, mature Christians. Uh, Good habits, strong disciplines, mature Christians. I want to announce also that this uh, coming uh, Sunday uh, morning, we're going to be uh, beginning a very important and very uh, timely um, sermon series that will begin the beginning of, of the first Sunday in January and will be taking place over the course of the next uh, seven Sundays uh, as we open the year. The Lord gave this sermon series to me about uh, three and a half years ago. And uh, he gave it to me, and, and I have had it uh, sitting and waiting and, and uh, preparing for when the Lord would have us to, um, to present it. And so uh, the time is right. And uh, the, the Scripture says that the vision is for an appointed time. And, uh, and so the appointed time has come. 2018 is the appointed time. And so the God is going to do something dramatic miraculous in our midst, and everything that we've experienced uh, will culminate in understanding who we are and embracing the purpose of God in our lives. Amen. We're going to embrace the purpose of God in our lives. And so we're going to be beginning that Sunday morning series, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, The Lord's going to speak to us in a beautiful way. Uh, But tonight we're going to begin the year by talking about uh, good habits, strong disciplines, mature Christians. And uh, I feel this is important because as we begin to understand our purpose, understand God's purpose for us, uh, we will need to have good habits. We will need to have strong disciplines. And those strong disciplines are actually what come of the good habits. They start as good habits. Uh, they, they become strong disciplines. And then you become a mature Christian. Uh, there is some kind of a powerful thing when the world encounters a mature Christian. You can live for God for decades and, and not be mature like you need to be in the Lord. And uh, I've seen people even, I've seen people even live for the Lord for a very short period of time. But because spiritual growth happens at a different rate than natural growth, uh, I've seen some people be young in the Lord, but show great maturity because they're growing spiritually. And if you will practice good habits 
and allow those good habits to become strong disciplines, then you will become a mature Christian. Those good habits and those strong disciplines will carry you through the experiences of your life. Live out those habits. Let them solidify as strong disciplines and you will become the type of a Christian that can win the lost. You will become the type of a Christian that can pray through a crisis. You can pray others through a crisis. You can be a strong example for your family. You can be the kind of husband and the kind of wife, the kind of parent, the kind of teenager, the kind of person that this world needs you to be. And so we want to become mature Christians, amen? And the way to do that is to, is to understand, first and foremost, where our strength comes from, where our help comes from. Now, make no mistake about it, and if you've listened to me teach or preach for any length of time, you know that, that uh, I have no confidence in the flesh, and, and you should not have confidence in the flesh. When I talk about good habits and strong disciplines, I'm not talking about the strength of the flesh. I'm talking about putting our faith in the things of the Spirit that the Bible promises us will work. Effectually, they will work. So it doesn't have to do with our flesh being disciplined. It doesn't have to do with our flesh being good or, or, or practicing good habits. It has to do with saying, God said this is right. God said this is true. I'm putting my faith in the Word of God. And voila. It's a good thing that develops from that kind of a faith in God. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And uh, the first good habit we're going to discuss is the habit of prayer. Prayer. There's simply no better thing you can do with your time than pray. And, and prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Uh, prayer itself is an act of faith, okay? Uh, you are talking to God who is invisible. And you cannot see him, but he is there. And you are speaking to him from your heart. You are speaking to him. Now, this needs to become a habit of your life. And, and I don't mean habit in the sense that you should fulfill this obligation. Well, it's prayer time. Let me go to God in prayer. And then you start... You start talking in vain repetitions. God forbid. Vain repetitions have no effectuality in the spirit. Vain God doesn't even hear a vain repetition. God hears the heart. That's what God hears. Words that are spoken from the heart, God hears those words. Uh, there is, the Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. And this carnal mind being enmity against God means that it's, it's like a wall between you and God. And so somehow this carnal mind has to be broken down in order for you to reach through to God. And so prayer from the heart is effectual. Notice what the scripture says in James chapter 5. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much now that is something we take great comfort in knowing but it is also worth noting that the antithesis of that is true that the ineffectual non-fervent prayer of an unrighteous man does not avail much 
And so we need to understand that we need to be effectual, we need to be fervent, and we need to be righteous people. And our prayers will, will absolutely pierce the darkness, will enter into the throne room of God. And I love the word that the Bible uses, avail much. Notice that, avail much. What does that mean? See, we're not, we didn't say prevail. We didn't even say travail. We said avail, as in available, as in our prayer avails the resources of God to the circumstances we are praying about. That's what effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person will do. It will reach into the heavenlies. And, and will grab a hold of the resources of God and will pull them down into the circumstances we are facing. Hallelujah. And so prayer needs to be effectual. It needs to be fervent. It needs to be done by righteous people. You say, well, that counts me out. Well, that, don't, don't, don't accept that about yourself. If you have unrighteousness in you, repent from it. Turn from it. Give it to God. Hand it over to the Lord. Amen. Bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Thank you, Jesus. And tell him, Lord, I submit to your righteousness. I surrender to you. I give you anything in me that is not like you. I surrender it to you. And the Lord will hear your prayer. Amen. So, so first of all, I want to talk to you about uh, how one can enter into prayer. The scripture teaches us how to enter into prayer. Uh, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What God is telling us there is he's giving you a, an insight as to how you can transition from just going through your ordinary day into a time of prayer. You say it's hard to go from work-related, mind-consuming subjects to Mr. Prayer Warrior, you know, Sister, Sister Prayer Warrior. And, and so you say, so how, Pastor, am I supposed to transition from dealing with, with earthly junk into, into, you know, calling upon God? Uh, and, and the Bible tells us you do it through thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's how you transition into powerful prayer. Through thanksgiving, you start by thanking God for even the most basic of benefits. The scripture says he daily loadeth us with benefits. And so, so we have to take a moment and say, he does? Does he really? Does he really load me daily with benefits? The answer is yes, he does. He, he loads us daily with benefits. Benefits we take for granted. Benefits like right now, it's cold outside. And I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Thank you, Jesus. And, and when, I go, when I leave here, I'm going to start my car about 10 minutes before I get in it. And that heat's going to be pumping. And it's going to be cold on the outside of that car. But I'm going to be warm on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and you know what? Thank God there's some fuel in the tank. And I'm going to put that thing in reverse, and the transmission is working okay. So far, so good. I'm going to pull out, and by the grace of God, I'm going to look around and tell nobody's behind me, and I'm going to get out of this parking lot safe and sound. 
Pull out onto the roadway, safe and sound. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So far, i got a lot to be thankful for, and I just left the church parking lot. Praise God. There are things to thank God for. Thank God that you can turn your neck and look around. Thank God your peripheral vision is working okay. Thank God that your ears are working okay. Thank God that you can, that you have somebody in the car with you or somebody waiting at home for you or somebody here at church that you had fellowship with. There are things, there are benefits that you can thank God for. And and see what happens is we start looking at all of the stuff that didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And we get a negative outlook on life and we say, "This this is no good, life is no good, life is unfair, things are no good for me. And, and, and we let the benefits of life just pass us by without truly giving God thanks for his many, many blessings. If we would do that, then it would be easy to enter into prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about all those things I was just describing. That is the goodness of God in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you woke me up this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you started me on my way. Thank you, Lord, that my heart is beating. Thank you, Lord, that my lungs are breathing. Thank you, Lord, that my mind is functioning. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah, for the sun that shines by day. Thank you, Lord, for your protection by night. Hallelujah. You know what just happened? I transitioned from, from Joel going through his daily life, having troubles that are, that are uh, of a result of monotony and 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 what may come of a day i've transitioned into spiritual mindedness thinking about the goodness of god now i'm ready to do some praying now i can get into the busyness of praying to god to god and i can speak to god about the things that concern me what happened thanksgiving happened thanksgiving entered me in through the gate now, now I, I enter the gates with thanksgiving, but now what it's, what's happened is it's transitioned now to a deeper form of thanksgiving. It's turned into praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. This is Psalm 100. Amen. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. So I've entered his gates with thanksgiving, but now I've come into his courts and I'm praising him. So it started saying, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. And now I'm saying, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. There's no one like you. There's no one above you. There's no one beside you. There's nobody superior to you. There's nobody equal to you. You are the rock of my salvation, my refuge and my shelter and my fortress. My God in whom I can trust. Hallelujah. That's praise. And, and that's taking me further and deeper into the presence of the Lord where there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. And so anytime there are gates or there are courts, there's bound to be a throne room. And when you arrive in that throne room, make your petitions known unto the Lord. Make, hear me, make your petitions known to the Lord. That's very important. We spend so much time worrying about things we should be praying about. And we feel like we've brought it to God because it was on our mind all day long. When we never brought it to God because we only worried about it, we didn't pray about it. We didn't actually say with our mouth that God gave us. 
and said, God, I need you to take care of this. I don't know how to do it. I need you to give me wisdom, strength, whatever it is I need. Direct my thoughts. The Lord will do that. But you have, to, you have to welcome him to do that. You have to welcome him. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man hears his voice, then he comes in and sups with us and us with him. But God doesn't just come barge in on your house and break your door down and wake you up and say, come on, let's get to it. No, that's not how it works. You have to welcome him in. It is free will, freedom, and you allowing God into your life by prayer. Lord, help me with this situation. Help me with this need. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Direct my thoughts. Direct my steps. Direct my decisions. Give me understanding. All of these are prayers you should be praying about your circumstances. You know, those things that are outside of your control that you realize that without an act of God, it's going to get worse. Open up your mouth and say, oh God, intervene in these circumstances. Hallelujah. Call on him. Don't recite some prayer about it. Don't find some, you don't even have to go find some super prophet to have them come lay hands on you. You got the Holy Ghost. You got all you need. Open up your mouth and pray the prayer of faith over those circumstances. Hallelujah. And so this is very important. Prayer is to be exercised by the child of God and it happens through thanksgiving that's what transitions us into a mindset of prayer I've had situations where I was going about a daily a day's activity and I had prayed that day you know and and uh, and and you know we're to pray without ceasing we're to continue to pray and be prayerful but, but, you know, the day began to develop and stuff began to take place. And next thing you know, you got your mind on politics and you got your mind on sports and you got your mind on whatever problem you're trying to solve. And, and, and you don't realize that you need to be in a prayerful mind. So don't let these things distract you. Amen. Don't let these things distract you. But have a prayerful mind. And I, I, somebody called in and said we need urgent prayer for a situation and and I realized oh my here my mind is a thousand miles away on something and I've got to now flip this switch and get busy praying well I know what to do go into thanksgiving Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the name of Jesus. Thank you that the blood washes away every sin stain. Thank you, Lord, that I can call upon you and you can answer my prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are a mighty tower. Thank you, Lord, that I run into you and I find refuge and I find safety. And folks, I'm telling you, it's just like that. You're in the throne room of God able to say, Lord, I need you to move urgently upon this situation. Hallelujah. And through the power of prayer, you are affecting change in a situation. I wonder how many things would change if we would pray about them. Now, I don't mean dwell on them. Think on them. I don't, I don't mean sit around trying to think of how you can work something out for them. I'm talking about how many things would be positively affected if you genuinely, truly prayed about it. And said, God, I, I, the thoughts in my mind, I want them to be divinely directed. 
as to how a situation can be rectified. The role I can play in helping a situation. You would find, here's what you would find. You would find that living for God gives you great strength and great power and great authority and you will, you will walk in the peace of God in your life as you let his spirit lead you and guide you and direct you. So prayer is so important and it is a good habit. So first we have to know how to pray. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we have, I love this, I love this uh, scripture because uh, of the fact that it's, it's the disciples saying to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, we have to ask that question, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and, and God will teach you how to pray. This is the, what the Lord taught them. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Notice how he opens with praise and worship and he concludes with praise and worship. He opens by acknowledging who it is that he's speaking to and the authority that he has. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, he is, he is entering through thanksgiving and through praise and lifting up the mighty name of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, Lord, I want you to move upon my circumstances and I want the will of God to be done on earth as the will of God is done in heaven. That's what I want. I, I want, I'm surrendered to the heavenly will of the Lord. So all of that is covered before he goes into any, anything else of his prayer. I want you to move upon these circumstances according to your perfect will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He is trusting in the Lord for the provision of God in his life. Lord, what I need today, provide it to me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So this is the moment where we take the time to release those from the debt they owe us. This forgiveness factor. Lord, you, it's when you pray for your enemies and you bless them which persecute you and you love them which despitefully use you. I heard of a, of a uh, pastor recently who had... Who had had several critics, several people who had said very awful things about him. He was a very successful pastor, and they had some jealousies, and they were hurling stones his direction. And so his response to it and the way he handled it was to get a picture of each of those men and put them up on the prayer wall in his prayer closet, and he would go one by one and pray for them. And say, Lord, bless this brother. Strengthen him, Lord, and give him peace and give him grace. And bless his efforts, Lord, and cover his endeavors in the name of Jesus. And he'd pray over each of these people who had become enemies of his, not by his own will, but by their treatment of him. And he'd pray for each of them. And, and, and then when he'd get done praying for each of them, he would say, by the grace of God, I'm not going to become 
what you have said that I am. By the grace of God, I will not become what you have said that I am. And he began to overcome any animosity that could have been built up within him toward those who had spoken ill of him. What was he doing? He was saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is a part of prayer. Lord, I release my enemies. I release least those who've spoken ought against me. I will not hold it against them. And remember this, when somebody says something uh, uh, awful about you or something derogatory about you, uh, remember that you may be their target, but you're not their issue. They've got other issues. Amen. They've got other issues. They're dealing with stuff unresolved within themselves, and you cannot take that personal. It is a ploy of the enemy to get you to think about them in a negative way. So a root of bitterness can rise up inside of you and defiling you. The real attack doesn't even come from that person. That person was used by the enemy to lob some kind of an attack your direction. And so the attack is made. They don't even really have it out for you or have it in for you, whichever one it is, out or in. What they really have is something going on on the inside that they need to have resolved between them and God. But the real attack is going to come when the enemy draws your attention to what they did to you, said to you, said about you. And he's going to try to cultivate a root of bitterness inside of you toward that person so you can lose your salvation. That's the real plan that's underway. Don't let it happen. How can you keep that from happening? A good habit of prayer. Constantly forgiving, constantly releasing. When you have feelings of animosity or bitterness or resentment towards somebody, you take that to God in prayer. You don't sit and mull it over and think about how bad they are. Think about how much you wish something bad would happen to them. Think about, uh, you know, uh, all, of the, all of the jealousy you have toward them or feel badly. Why would they say this about me? No, 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 no. Take all of that to God. Give it all to God. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. And this good habit will develop into a strong discipline of forgiveness. And then, then you become a mature Christian. And mature Christians are not easily offended. I'll say it this way. Mature Christians are not offended at all. We have flesh to deal with. So I don't mean to put condemnation on you when you get offended. But I do mean to say... That when you are mature in your walk with God, you will actually come to a place where things do not offend you because you no longer, you're no longer ignorant of the devil's devices. So somebody says something bad about you. A, a mature Christian says, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I know what that's here to do. That's here to take me down into a place of self-pity, self-loathing. It's here to get me to look upon my neighbor out of the corner of my eye. It's here to get me to, to start feeling like all arrows are aimed at me. Like there's some kind of a, of a defense that I need to raise up. A mature Christian knows where to take that feeling. Take it to God in prayer. And your good habit develops into a strong discipline. And being strongly disciplined, you become a mature Christian. Hallelujah. And the world needs to encounter mature Christians. 
mature Christians. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, one of our good uh, pastors uh, was just elected to uh, trustee board of uh, Deerfield Township. And uh, I watched as he heard a case and, uh, and, and the case came before the, the trustee board. And while they were talking about it, uh, it was a case where there needed to be a good, strong moral stance taken. And, uh, and this pastor didn't let us down. He spoke up and spoke out and, and let his feelings be known and, and spoke very uh, eloquently concerning the need for a strong moral position. And there were many of the citizens in the room agreeing with the pastor. And there were many on the board who did not agree with him. But while they were there and respectful of his position, one of the reasons they were so respectful of his position was because not only did he have a strong moral position, but he had a strong kindness and a strong compassion and a, and a, a, a wonderful disposition toward them. What are you looking at there? You're looking at mature Christianity. You're looking at somebody who has a strong moral position and they don't lose their kindness in the process of having a strong moral position. So it, 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 it does away with the effectiveness of having a strong moral position when I take a strong moral position, but I don't mind being hateful. Well, who cares about your strong moral position if you can't love the way God loves? So, so the key to mature Christianity is to have a strong moral position while maintaining the strength of God's character in loving and showing the kindness of God. Amen. And so, so what, what develops that in us is a good habit of prayer and a strong discipline of prayer. And it develops us into mature Christians. So he goes on to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, it's a good habit to get into. To say, God, deliver me from temptation and deliver me from evil. It's a good habit to get into. It's, it, you, you have to understand that no matter what your good intentions are, each and every one of us can fall prey to the evils of temptation. And so Jesus said to the apostles, he said, listen, Peter, James, John, listen, Bartholomew, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. You need to pray every day. Lord, deliver us from temptation and deliver us from evil. Hallelujah. And we just go blindly through the day, stumbling and bumbling and grumbling and mumbling. And we don't, we're like blind to all the stuff that's flying our direction. And we think that because we made a decision a long time ago that we're going to have the strength. No, no, no. He said, you got to pray. God, help me. Deliver me from the evil that would come against me, from the evil that would come against my family. And lead me not into those temptations, those temptations to be bitter, those temptations to be resentful, those temptations to be lustful, those temptations to be envious, those temptations to be proud. Deliver me from that. Hallelujah. See, a mature Christian knows not to take that for granted. A mature Christian knows not to go certain places because you don't want to be led into temptation. A mature Christian knows not to watch certain things because lead us not into temptation. A mature Christian knows not to listen to certain things because 
lead us not into temptation. A mature Christian knows not to run with certain crowds because lead us not into temptation. Where did that come from? That came from a good habit that became a strong discipline and that resulted in a mature Christian. Amen. So he goes on to say, deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. That's where the strength lies. His is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory forever. So be it. That word amen, we just throw it in at the end of our prayers. Amen. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Amen. We just, we just spout these prayers out. Amen, 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 and amen, and amen. And we, and we don't even realize what we're saying. We're saying that everything we just prayed, so be it. Everything that we just spoke into God's throne room, be it done in the name of Jesus. In other words, it is done. I believe that it is accomplished. I, I, listen, I didn't, I, I, listen, you got to understand something. I wasn't just praying in hope. I was praying in faith. See, praying in hope is, oh, I hope this works. Oh, God, please do this. Please do this. I need you to lead me not into temptation. I need you to deliver me from evil. And I hope, I hope. No, no, no. We're not praying in hope. We're praying in faith. Faith says, as the words come out of my mouth, it is being done. Hallelujah. So, amen. Amen. So be it. In the name of Jesus. I'm praying God protection over my family. In the name of Jesus, be it done. Hallelujah. I'm praying protection over my mind. In the name of Jesus, be it done. Hallelujah. This isn't something I'm hoping for. This is something that I know is being achieved because it just came out of my mouth and entered the heart of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so he goes on to, to conclude by attributing the glory and the power and the honor unto the Lord. So be it. That's how we pray. That's how we pray. When we're praying, we're acknowledging his greatness. Hallowed be thy name, our heavenly father. Hallowed be thy name. We are praying for daily provision. We're asking God to give us the things that we need. We're asking God to forgive us. It's important to cleanse ourselves in prayer. Wash my mind. Wash my spirit. Cleanse my heart. Lord, cleanse my motive. One of the most important prayers that I try to pray as often as I get an opportunity is, Lord, purify my motives. Purify my motives, cleanse my motives, cleanse my spirit, my mind, my heart, my words, cleanse, cleanse my agenda. I don't want an agenda. I want the will of God to be done. Hallelujah. And you pray these things, uh, and, and, then, and then God hears and answers our prayer. How often should you pray? Well, the scripture teaches us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And you've heard me say before, uh, I love the way uh, people who pray without ceasing, I love to be around them because they, that's what they do. They pray without ceasing. It's like there's praise constantly coming out of their mouth. I mean, they're just walking down the street. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And they get in the car, and, and they're trying to, trying to get into the car. And, they, you, know, you know, sometimes it's hard to get into a car and out of a car. And it's getting harder and harder with every passing week. And they grab the handle on the roof, and they, they kind of ease in. And when they finally get situated, it's, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's something to be thankful for. And it's just this, this praise is just constantly flowing out of their mouth. And, and, and they just say things like, glory to God. I, we had a lady in our church growing up. She didn't say hello. She said, praise the Lord. You'd call her on the phone. She'd pick up the phone. She'd say, praise the Lord. If you hollered down the hallway, uh, Sister Willis, she'd say, praise the Lord. It was, what was praise the Lord? Hello was praise the Lord. Goodbye was praise the Lord. Everything was praise the Lord. Because she, it was just a fount of worship and praise coming out of her spirit. I one time was, was uh, praying and seeking God and, and was having a good prayer meeting and, and the phone rang. And, uh, and I went to answer the phone. And instead of saying hello, I said, hallelujah. I mean, hello. They said, well, praise the Lord. But it needs to be a constant flow of thanksgiving and praise unto the Lord. But notice what the book of, 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 of Daniel teaches us. The book of Daniel describes that, that they, they knew that, the, that Daniel was going to be uh, praying to the Lord. He had enemies who were seeking him out, and they decided that what they would do was they would influence legislation so that anybody caught praying to somebody, uh, praying to the Lord, would be cast into the lion's den. So uh, Daniel was made, uh, was made aware of this. Verse 9 of Daniel chapter 6, Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel gives us a really good indicator of how often to pray. He would take time three different times in the day to pray to the Lord. And notice that he did this aforetime, which means that before somebody said, you'll be cast into the lion's den if you pray, Daniel had this habit of opening the window toward Jerusalem and praying to God three times a day on his knees, kneeled down, out his window, giving thanks to God. And, and, and he was praying toward Jerusalem. And, and, and the Jews would pray toward Jerusalem. Wherever they were in the world, they would take time to kneel down and face Jerusalem and pray toward Jerusalem. And so when we were in Jerusalem, uh, Edo, our guide, said, Have you ever wondered where they pray when they're in Jerusalem? I said, Well, no, but that's a really good question. Where do they pray when they're in Jerusalem? He said, they're not just praying toward Jerusalem. They're praying toward Mount Moriah. They're praying toward that spot where Abraham was going to offer Isaac upon the altar. But the ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And the Lord had provided a substitutionary sacrifice to put down in the stead of Isaac. So because when Isaac was saved, all of Israel was saved. 
And so they, they were not just praying toward Jerusalem, they were praying toward Mount Moriah. So when they're in Jerusalem, they're actually directing their prayers toward Mount Moriah. And, and so when we pray, we are praying directed, ladies and gentlemen, toward when our sacrificial lamb stepped into the picture. He took our place upon the cross, hallelujah, that we were supposed to bear. That's what we're praying toward. We're praying toward the cross of Jesus Christ. We're praying, that's, that's what our mind is fixed on. We're going back to that place and saying the power of God that is resident in the redemptive work of Christ on Calvary's hill of sorrow. Hallelujah. We come to God in everything, giving thanks because of what he did at Calvary. And so Daniel went three times a day. Now the elders of, you know, modern times, apostolic church they did that they prayed three times a day they prayed in the morning they prayed sometime in the afternoon they prayed in the evening and uh, and that's the way they prayed it was it, it it and they prayed anytime they had in between and it made for a good time of prayer because it was these are transmission transitional moments throughout the day as the morning begins you should find a place to, to pray and give God thanks and, and enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. You should take time to ask God to, to, to direct your steps, order your steps, and, and give, you, give you guidance and direction as you uh, embrace a new day. God operates in the context of days. And, and, and you know what? His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. So if you've got a bad day today, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Just go to bed and pray before you do. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you got a new day on the horizon. And into that day with thanksgiving in your heart. And into that day with, with faith in your spirit. Hallelujah. And say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I've determined in my heart to rejoice and be glad in it. And dedicate, hallelujah, that day unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Just as these precious families dedicate babies to the Lord at the beginning of their life, you and I should be dedicating a day unto the Lord and say, God, this day belongs unto you because you gave it to me. Oh, how blessed we are that God gave us another day and we take it for granted and we waste it and we let it go by so easily and so swiftly without breathing a word of praise, without breathing a word of thanksgiving, without breathing a word of gratitude without breathing a word of the gospel to somebody who's never heard it we let the days just run by us and we and if we do anything about a day it's usually self-centered and self-focused but oh if we would truly understand that God gave us that day and that that, that when God gives it to us we should thank him for what he gave us and we should dedicate it unto him and say, Lord, I give this day unto you. I'll never forget when I was asking the Lord. I, well, I was actually, I was actually looking at, uh, I had been cognizant of the term Jesus follower. Anybody ever heard the word Jesus follower? The term Jesus follower. It was real popular a few years ago. A lot of times people, they, they, they didn't really want to be connected to a, to a denominational label. And so they said, I'm a Jesus follower. And, and I just kind of thought, oh, okay, you know, Jesus follower. And 
I guess that's, they just don't want to be tied to a particular creed or whatever. And I was, I was being a little bit, I was being a little bit cynical about it. And, uh, and the Lord just asked me one day in prayer, he said, are you a Jesus follower? And I was kind of like, well, <laughs> I hope so. And I think so. But you're asking me if I am, so I'm imagining that maybe I need some improvement in that area. Is that, what, is that the direction we're going here? And, uh, and the Lord began to say to me, um, he said, well, I am such and such place. And he began to describe that he was ministering to a person in need at that moment. He said, where are you? And I realized that I had mapped out my day. I had planned my day. I had established my agenda. And, and, and hadn't really consulted what the Lord would say of it. And so the Lord just asked me the question, who's following who here? And I realized that he, I was trying to make him a Joel follower. When he was trying to make me a Jesus follower. Following after the things of God. Following after the direction of the Spirit. Letting the Lord lead us instead of us lead Him. Lord, I'm going to go do this. Now follow me. Make sure I'm safe. Make sure I'm good. Make sure nothing's waiting for me around the corner. That's not how it works. And it, it, when we dedicate our day unto the Lord, we're saying, God, I give this day unto you. Now you show me. You lead me. You guide me. Direct my steps and direct my thoughts as opposed to me telling you how it's going to be and then, and then I'll trust you to take care of everything. No, it's about letting the Lord lead you, guide you, direct you. And so this happens when you start the day with prayer. When you start the day with prayer. When you start the day with God, give me this day my daily bread. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is how it works. And opening your day with prayer will give you strength to overcome temptation. It'll give you strength to overcome evil. It'll give you strength to avoid bitterness. It'll give you strength to handle offense when it comes. Part of that prayer is to receive some spiritual bread. So read some scripture in the morning. Have some devotion time. Not out of ritual, not out of ceremony, but out of when you, when you study the word of the Lord, let the word of the Lord speak to you. The way I like to do it, and we're going to talk next uh, Bible study on the subject of the Word of God. Uh, but, but I like to tell people when you are receiving the Word of the Lord into your spirit, your daily bread, read until you're fed. And that's your daily bread. Sometimes you can read three chapters because I'm dedicated to reading three chapters. And that's fine. But sometimes you can dilute what you learned ten verses in. That was profound and life-changing. But you didn't take the time to let that settle in your spirit. You went ahead and read the obligated amount. And, and if you are going to do that, make sure you write down what the Lord just gave you in your spirit. So that you can be fed by that. And that will be your daily bread all day long. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, you just throw some bread at him. And when, and when, and when the offense tries to sneak up on you, you just take some bread and throw it at it. This is my daily bread. God gave this to me. He, he fed me with this. And when, when somebody, when somebody uh, tries to tempt you with something, you just hit them with a big loaf of bread. This is what the Lord gave me today. 
And I'm not going to fall to the temptation you're trying to set as a snare before my path. Hallelujah. And then pray in the middle of the day. Pray in the middle of the day. You need to pray in the middle of the day. You need to have a time where you approach God. Now, I'm not saying you have to pray an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, an hour in the evening. That's not what I'm saying. God bless you if it happens like that. But you don't have to set the alarm and say, okay, I'll stop praying when 60 minutes is up. You try to do that and, and, and it goes it really slow. All right, I'll set 60 minutes and, and you pray and you seek God and you call on God and you pray for every missionary you can think of and you pray for every enemy you can think of and you pray for deliver me from this and deliver me from that and help me with this and help me with that and you look at the clock and four minutes has went by and you're trying to figure out what in the world I got 56 minutes left what am I going to pray about but if you, instead of doing that, if you'll just get lost in prayer, just get lost in praising God, just get caught up in the Holy Ghost, just get raptured. You know, God operates in the context of eternity. So, 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 so what God is looking for is an encounter with you, an experience with you. And, and if that happens in an hour, there's no better hour that you or I could experience. But, but that, if that happens in 10 minutes, then Thank God for it and go your way rejoicing and get a hold of what God gave you. Somebody said, I, I don't always pray more than three minutes, but I, I, I don't go three minutes without prayer. Hallelujah. And so take time in the middle of your day to say, okay, God, it's going to be me and you time and have a time of prayer. Uh, in the evening, take time to close that day with prayer. Take time to resolve that day with prayer and seek God and call upon God and ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you and to watch over you and your family as you rest and, and pray, plead the blood of Jesus over your home. And, and what, 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 what is this? This is a constant reliance upon God. This is a good habit. Now, we know that our salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. But, but, but ladies and gentlemen, those things are spiritually discerned and they are spiritually experienced and they are spiritually understood. And the only way you can experience those things spiritually is through the good habits of prayer that become strong disciplines of prayer that result in you and I becoming mature Christians who know how to declare the gospel, who know how to pray the prayer of faith, you know, people, how many know people like for a, a, a man, a God, or a woman of God to come by and pray for them when they're in need? How many have ever been there where you said, I need a man of God, I need a woman of God? Well, look around you right now. Just look around you right now. There are men of God and women of God all in this auditorium. We don't need some super prophet to come in and do it. The Holy Ghost is in us. We can do it. The prayer of faith is in us. The word of faith is nigh us, even in our mouth. You can lay your hands upon the sick, hallelujah, and see them recover and pray the prayer of faith over them. Mature Christians learn in the process of praying how to pray the prayer of faith. In the process of studying the word, how to pray the prayer of faith. Mature Christians learn how to teach the word of God. They learn how to dispense with the word of the Lord. They learn how to serve God with gladness, with all their heart. Amen. 2018 is going to be a life changer for each and every one of us. 
as we become all that God calls us to be and has empowered us to be. And in order to do that, we're going to grow as mature Christians in him. How many are committed to some good habits this year and strong disciplines? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the gyms are full of people right now. It was, it was the malls at the end of the year, and now it's the, it's the gyms. It's the fitness centers, and sometimes it's the prayer rooms. But God forbid that we should let that pass with just a few weeks of resolution. But Lord, help us to remain vigilant. Help us to remain sober. Help us to remain diligently focused upon serving you, calling upon you. Hallelujah. And letting your spirit take us to new heights and to new depths in the name of Jesus. Could we stand to our feet tonight in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. Come on, let's just lift up our hands unto the Lord and praise him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. You know that compulsion you feel to pray? Don't ignore that in 2018. We can just let, let it slip by us and think, well, it'll pass if I sit here long enough. But let's don't be that way. Let's find a place to pray when we feel the hand of God drawing us. Let's find a place to pray when we hear the Spirit of the Lord calling on us. Hallelujah. To, to come away. Come away. Come away into a place of prayer, into a place of dedication to God. Glory to God. Can we pray right now for our city and our the greater surrounding areas in the name of Jesus. Could you do that with me right now? Lord, we don't even know the names of the people we're praying for. But God, we pray that revival would shake our city like never before. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, for teenagers in our high schools. Lord God, that you would speak to them. And we pray, Lord, that your joy would come to them as they face depression, as they face challenges. I pray, oh God, that you would anoint us and let us be that light of the world. That city on a hill that cannot be hid. I pray for our young people, Lord God, that you would give them a holy boldness. That you would move upon them in new ways and in deeper ways in 2018. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that prayer would grip our hearts. That prayer would grip our minds. Hallelujah. 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 Andrew Urshan, my great-grandfather, used to, he talked about when they first received the Holy Ghost. He said that a spirit of prayer gripped them. He said they would wake up in the morning and the first thing they would do is pray. Then they would go to work, and on their way to work, they would pray. And while at work, when they got a spare moment, they would They would pray. They would come home from work, and they would come home from work praying. And then they would go to bed praying, and they'd wake up in the middle of the night praying. He said a spirit of prayer got a hold of them. You say to those who, who view prayer as a ritual or a ceremony or, well, pastor talked about prayer, so I guess I better get some New Year's resolution on the books, and here we go. I'm going to try it again. If that's the way you look at prayer, then, then you'll always struggle with praying. But, but what, what you'll begin to 
appreciate about prayer is the joy of praying. Prayer will draw you into it. It, it won't be a drudgery. It will, it will be the thing that you cannot wait to do. And, and nobody's going to have to, you know, guilt you into doing it. Nobody's going to have to make you feel like you're carnal unless you do it. Nobody's going to have to come beat you with verbal admonitions to pray, pray, pray. No, no, no. No, prayer will pull you. And you, can't, you, won't be able to, you won't be able to wait to get done with whatever conversation you're in. So, yeah, 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 uh-huh, right, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I need to go find a place to pray. Because there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And your, your, your sorrows are being laid down and your worries are being laid down. How many got worries tonight? Come on, let's be honest. You got some things that are weighing on your mind? Come on, got some things weighing on your mind? Take them into prayer. Come on, bring them into prayer right now. Bring them into prayer right now. And we're going to lay them down at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Come on, let's get real honest right now. I want to know. I want to know. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, this worry that's weighing on my spirit. This dread, this doubt, this fear. Lord, I bring it into that prayer room in the name of Jesus. And I lay it down before you. It's not mine, it's yours. You promised you would take my yoke upon you. Hallelujah. You promised that you would bear my burden. Hallelujah. You promised that you would let me cast my cares upon you. Because you care for me. And I believe your word. And I trust in your word. And I'm going to pray about this instead of worrying about it. I'm going to lean on you, Lord. Lord, I'm going to lean on you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I want everybody that's got a worry, if it's financial, if it's physical, if it's spiritual, if it's relational, if it's somebody in your life, a loved one that you, you're worried about, I want you to bring it to God right now before we leave this house tonight. Come on, we're going to practice what we preached, and we're going to pray a little while. Come on, let's pray a little while. Come on, let's take a few minutes, and let's have an encounter with God. Let's have an encounter with God where He takes our burdens. Hallelujah. Where He takes our pain. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.